you are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for Food and Stuff. My name is Gretchen Miller. Today we're going to start off with a recipe from smittenkitchen.com for pickled sugar snap peas. Yum-o! At the market this week, first there were radishes. Then ramps. I made this risotto and highly, highly recommend it with ramps or any other sharp spring onion. That is the first time I've heard the term ramps, by the way. Then teeny tiny strawberries, so cute. I wanted to pinch all of their little cheeks. I could not bring myself to do anything but eat them just like this. But what I'd really, really been waiting for finally arrived this week. Sugar snap peas. Yep, peas, or manange tu, as I have learned David's people adorably call them. Of all the stunning stuff coming off the farm these days, I get excited about green pod fruits. And when I get them home, do I eat them straight? Of course not. Okay, maybe a few got lost in my belly. But I stick them in a bowl with vinegar and salt and sugar and garlic and peppers, and I brine them up. As we might have mentioned once or twice, we here at the Smitten Kitchen are big fans of pickling, and there are a few produce items that have been lucky enough to escape our brine's grasp, or should I say, wrath. We actively ponder what foods might pickle well, but I have never once considered sugar snap peas until their season was long over last year. The fact that I knew their crisp little pods would get even crunchier while their peas would stay ever sweet and that they'd be perfect in every way, and that they were months from in-season, tortured me all winter. I know, I know, I really need to get out more. But Tuesday righted all of those wrongs because sugar snaps were here once again. And even though the recipe says I should wait two weeks for them to be ready, I can assure you that even 24 hours later, they're ready to go and have no chance of making it two weeks in our fridge. Here's the recipe. Pickled sugar snap peas adapted from the joy of pickling via Epicurious. You'll need one and a half cups of white distilled vinegar, one and a quarter cups of cold water, one tablespoon of kosher or pickling salt, one tablespoon sugar, one pound of sugar snap peas, stems trimmed and strings removed, four garlic cloves sliced, one or two small dried chili peppers, slit lengthwise, or a couple of pinches of dried red pepper flakes. In a non-reactive saucepan, heat the vinegar with the salt and sugar until they are dissolved. Remove from the heat and add the cold water. This gives you a leg up on getting the liquid to cooling the liquid. When the vinegar mixture is cool, you're gonna pack the sugar snaps, garlic, and chili peppers or flakes into a one quart jar or bowl and then pour the brine over it. Cover with a non-reactive cap or a plastic wrap. The original recipe suggests that you store the jar in the refrigerator for two weeks before eating the pickled peas, but good luck with that. They are quite delicious and already lightly pickled by 24 hours later. Yum-oh! This recipe, next one, is from Roseanne Cassius All-American Potato Salad. 
Is there anything bursting with more flag-draped, weathered barn American nostalgia than potato salad? How about a recipe from Roseanne Cash, daughter, daughter of the late Johnny Cash? It really adds to the experience if you sing Walk the Line off-key in the kitchen while your husband grimaces in the next room as you chop your eggs and pickles. And it doesn't get any better than bringing it in an old bucket to a 4th of July barbecue. I know I told you just two weeks ago what our favorite potato salad was, but as it turns out, I've got room in my allegiances for another. Though this may be the classic potato salad that most people grew up with, I had never tried it before yesterday, driven away by the mysterious glop of it all. But if you make it yourself, there's no smoke and mirrors to it, just everything but the kitchen sink. Big chunks of red skin potatoes, cubes of hard-boiled eggs, slivered celery, diced onion, a few pinches of free dill, and the dreamy dressing trifecta of vinegar, mayo, and mustard. I mean, big rooftop barbecues, exploding skies, and loud, loud music are just not times for culinary restraint. It would have been, however, a good time for some self-discipline with that magnum bottle of wine but that we brought, but Alas, today has been about water, aspirin, and long-suffering glances at my disheveled appearance in the mirror. Ah, well, these two are some fine American traditions. Quote, you may think you have overeaten, but it is patriotism. End quote. That's from Irma Bombecht from my hometown, Dayton, Ohio. Roseanne Cash's All-American Potato Salad Recipe serves at least eight Time, 45 minutes, plus time to cool potatoes, and the source is Bon Appetit, June of 2004. This, to me, is the most American of potato salads, cluttered, crunchy, and bright, and so busy it seems only the kitchen sink was left out. Be warned, however, make this one for one picnic and prepare to feel unwelcome if you don't bring it to all that follow. It forms something of a habit quickly. So here's a new note as of June 6th, 2015. I hadn't made this in a couple of summers and did so today for a crowd and I found that I could scale it by about 150%. That's four and a half pounds of potato and not increase the dressing at all. It was still lovely and well-dressed. So I'd say the amount as written below is better for people who like a huge amount of dressing with their potato salad. Personally, I would up it and do four and a half pounds of potato and leave the dressing the same. But that is a personal choice of our listeners. So you're going to need three pounds of medium red skin potatoes, unpeeled and scrubbed. You'll need eight dill pickle spears or a handful of cornichon, coarsely chopped, that's about one and a half cups, three celery stalks, chopped, about one cup, one small red onion, chopped, that's about one cup, three hard-boiled eggs, peeled and chopped, two-thirds cup of mayonnaise, two tablespoons of Dijon mustard, two tablespoons of apple cider vinegar, two tablespoons of minced fresh dill, and salt and pepper to taste. A few hours before serving, or even better the day before, Place potatoes in the medium-sized pot and cover with a few inches of salted water. Bring to a boil and cook until fork tender about 30 minutes. 
drain and cool completely. Overnight in the fridge makes this easy and the potatoes even easier to slice cleanly the next day. To assemble and serve, cut the cooled potatoes into chunks and transfer to a large bowl. Add pickles, celery, onion, and eggs. Combine mayonnaise, mustard, vinegar, and dill in a jar. Stir about half of the dressing into the salad, tossing to combine evenly, and add more dressing to taste and season well with salt and pepper. As far as doing ahead, you can keep the dressing and vegetables separate until just before serving. Potato salad keeps for up to four days in the fridge, and the leftover dressing should keep for a couple of weeks. Our next recipe is for blackberry blueberry crumb pie. We're doing all American today, apparently, and this looks really, really good, folks. I am completely and utterly failing at having a low-key lazy summer, in part because, wait, didn't summer just begin? NYC schools go to essentially the last day of June, and more largely because I seem to be jumping from big project to big project. We're suddenly approaching the midpoint of August, and I'm faintly panicked that this summer will be over before I have taken in sufficient levels of sun, sand, toasted marshmallows, vacation, and hot, sticky laziness that veers into boredom to fortify us for a big, exciting fall and an always too long and always too cold winter. So the fix begins now. First up, pie. Look, I too enjoy the look of a stunning woven lattice of a pie lid. Chevron braided plaid and twisted ribbon spirals too. I am not immune to the charms of elaborate pâté brisé crafts, but I would like to postulate that were all we were to eat, if we were all to eat pie in the dark, only a tiny fraction of those who respond to butterfly leaf lids with heart eye emojis, and that is me, 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 would choose the taste over that of a fluffy, rubbly cobblestone crumb lid. What I'm saying is, Team Streusel, at least in the dark. So a friend of mine is obsessed with the black and blue pie at Fairview Farms in Bridgehampton, Long Island. The owner's daughter, Meredith, makes them and many other flavors with a cult following. We stayed not far from there two summers ago when this human was about six weeks old, and she brought me back one warm and said, wait for it, no thank you, because my experience with pies is that none, even the best of the best, are better than homemade. Then I spied the crumb topping, and I am 100% sure that I ate pie for both breakfast and lunch that day. I finally got to trying my own hand at it this summer with the fluffiest crumb topping yet. The secret is baking powder. One that's basically shortbread rubble. And if you too have been concerned that you're not summering hard enough right now, I promise you that nothing will set you back on the right course more deliciously. Here's the recipe. Blackberry, blueberry, crumb pie. Serves eight, takes one and a half to two hours with pie dough. Couple of notes here. I have been using tapioca flour and starch to thicken pies this summer. I buy from Bob's. I like it because it thickens in a clear, unchalky way, but lots of other things work. I find this chart from King Arthur useful. And for this pie, I'd average the amounts for blueberries, which need less thickener, and blackberries, which need more. 
Also, this probably goes without saying, but this recipe definitely works with other berries and fruits. So for the crust, you'll need one and one quarter cup of all-purpose flour, one and a half teaspoons of granulated sugar, one half teaspoon of fine sea or table salt, one half cup of cold unsalted butter cut into chunks, one quarter cup of very cold water, and then for the filling, you'll need four cups, about two pints or 680 grams of blueberries, and two cups, about one and 12 ounce or 340 gram package of blackberries, three quarters cups, about 150 grams of granulated sugar for a moderately but not very sweet pie, juice of half a lemon, seven tablespoons or 55 grams of tapioca flour starch, or five and a half tablespoons, 45 grams of cornstarch. You're gonna also need a pinch of salt. Then for the crumbs, you'll need one and a half cup, or excuse me, let's start over. For the crumbs, one half cup, and that's four ounces or 115 grams of unsalted butter melted, six tablespoons of granulated sugar, a finely grated zest of half a lemon, this is optional, and one teaspoon of baking powder, and one and a third cups of all-purpose flour, and two pinches of salt. To make the pie dough, by hand, in the bottom of a large bowl, you're gonna combine the flour, salt, and sugar. You're gonna work the butter into the flour with your fingertips or a pastry blender until the mixture resembles a coarse meal, and the largest bits of butter are just the size of tiny peas. Some people do do this by freezing the stick of butter and coarsely grating it into the flour, but I haven't found the results as flaky. Then you're gonna add one quarter cup of cold water and stir with a spoon or flexible silicone spatula until large clumps form. Use your hands to knead the dough together right in the bottom of the bowl. If necessary to bring the dough together, you can add another tablespoon of water. So as far as doing it with a food processor, in the work bowl of a food processor, combine the flour, salt, and sugar, and then add the butter and pulse the machine until the mixture resembles a coarse meal and the largest bits of butter are the size of tiny peas. Turn the mixture out into the mixing bowl and then add one quarter cup of cold water and stir with a spoon or flexible silicone spatula until the large clumps form. I'm sensing a theme here. Use your hands to knead the dough together right in the bottom of the bowl. And if necessary to bring the dough together, you can add the last tablespoon of water. For both methods, you're gonna wrap the dough in a sheet of plastic wrap and refrigerate for at least one hour or up to 48 hours, or you can quick firm this in the freezer for 15 to 20 minutes. Longer than two days, it's best to freeze it until needed. Then you're gonna heat your oven to 400 degrees Fahrenheit. Then you're gonna roll out the crust. On a floured counter, roll the dough out into a 12 to 13 inch circle-ish shape. Fold the dough gently in quarters without creasing and transfer to a nine and a half inch standard, not deep dish pie plate. Unfold the dough and trim the overhang to about one half inch. Fold the overhang under the edge of the pie crust and crimp decoratively. Save scraps in the fridge just in case. 
As far as the parbake crust, you're going to freeze it for 15 minutes until solid and then dock all over with a fork. Coat a piece of foil with butter or nonstick spray and press it tightly against the frozen pie shell, covering the dough and rim and molding it to fit the shape of the edges. Bake for 20 minutes, then carefully remove the foil and set the foil still molded aside. It will come in handy later. If any parts have puffed, just press them back gently into place and then patch any tears or cracks with reserved dough scraps and reduce the oven temperature to 375 degrees Fahrenheit and leave the oven on. Meanwhile, make the filling. Mix all filling ingredients in a large bowl and set aside. To make the crumb topping, you're going to stir sugar, zest, baking powder, flour, and salt into melted butter in a large bowl with a fork until crumbs form. Then you're going to assemble and bake. Pour the filling into the crust and scatter crumbs over the top. Bake for 50 to 60 minutes with these two important things in mind. Number one, this crumb browns much more quickly than the pie is done. So you're going to grab that piece of foil that you set aside from the par baking phase and you're going to upend it over the top of the pie to protect it against further browning once it reaches the color you want. This might only take 20 to 30 minutes. Next, fruit pies are done when you can see bubbles forming at the edges with some creeping through and over some crumbs. If it takes longer, that's better than an underbaked pie. To serve, try to let the pie cool until close to room temperature before serving. This gives the pie thickener a chance to help the pie set. The pie will be even better set after a night in the fridge and bring it back to room temperature before serving. Next, we're going to have a recipe for sweet potato salad with pepita dressing. Good morning and apologize, apologies in advance as I'm again one of those loathsome, that is if you were shivering somewhere, people who just returned from the beach where we went on vacation last week because our kids were off from school and we didn't see why they shouldn't all have all the fun. <laughs> so around me were turquoise waves, glittering with sunlight, lapping gently at the silky white sanded shore, and there were no children having tantrums or whining because this was a magical place. And it's some, some of those things are true. However, as we will always happen on vacation, while we had some enviable tacos and agua chiles, I was only a few days in when I started to fiercely miss home-cooked food especially this salad that I had made the week before. Listen, sometimes I challenge myself to run distances first, further than I wish to. That would be any. <laughs> sometimes I challenge myself to go to bed at a decent hour for a week and see if it makes me a nicer person. Shockingly, yes, it does. And sometimes I challenge myself to do things like this, which is to take something I'm pretty sure I don't like, sweet potato salads, and create one that I would. Creamy dressings and or un, any parallels to summer cookout potato salads were absolutely rejected. So were cubes. I wanted it warm or room temperature and I like the idea of using some southwesternist flavors, not to the point that it basically tasted like these sweet potato tacos in salad form. And I want crunch, interest, and acidity without having a bunch of extra hurdles to get them. The results surprised me. I'd expected, at most, 
To make it once or twice to iron the kinks out of the recipe, I thought the kids might like it, but I hadn't expected to be sitting by the beach in Mexico, kind of wishing someone would bring me some a full week later. So here's a few more details. I cut the potatoes into one quarter inch half moons so they were leafy but not so thin that they'd fall apart. And while they roast in the oven, you do a few simple things. You drain and rinse a can of black beans. You chop some scallions and cilantro. You have a couple of limes and an avocado. And then we're going to make a warm but deconstructed dressing. I love using pepitas, but they can be a little flat tasting from the container, whether raw or already toasted. But warming them in olive oil gets them extra crisp and perfumes the oil with a deeply nutty flavor. Add some chili flakes for heat, and then when the potatoes are ready, we're going to scatter everything in on layers, building the salad right on that sheet pan because why dirty another dish? You're going to finish it with salt, pepper, and lime juice and scoop it right into your plate. I'd intended to add some cotija for a salty kick, but was too busy eating it as is to get it out of the fridge, meaning that this one's also vegan. And while I'd also intended this to be a warm salad, I found the leftovers spectacular from the fridge. No need to reheat them. I hope you love it as much as I did. Here's the recipe, sweet potato salad with warm pepita dressing. Serves four, takes 60 minutes, source, Smitten Kitchen. I looked for a longer, thinner sweet potatoes here so that the slices weren't too big. If you'd like more heat, paper thin slices of a hot, red, a hot pepper such as jalapeno or serrano would be a great addition here. You'll need two pounds of sweet potatoes, six tablespoons of olive oil, one and a half teaspoons of kosher salt, freshly ground black pepper, one quarter cup of pepitas, that's whole pumpkin seeds, raw or roasted, one teaspoon of mild Aleppo style or hot red pepper flakes or less to taste, two limes, one 15 ounce can of black beans, one large avocado, one big handful of fresh cilantro, four thin scallions, and one cup of crumbled cotija, and that's optional. You're gonna heat the oven to 400 degrees Fahrenheit and cut the potatoes in half lengthwise and then into one quarter inch half moon slices. Coat a large baking sheet with one tablespoon of the olive oil and scatter sweet potatoes over and toss them with another one to two tablespoons of olive oil, one and a half teaspoons of kosher salt, and many grinds of black pepper. Spread them evenly in the pan. They won't fit in one single layer at this point, and that's fine as they shrink as they roast. Roast for 20 minutes until browned underneath, and then flip the potatoes and roast another 15 minutes until all the pieces are tender and have brown spots. While the potatoes roast, combine papitas with three tablespoons of olive oil in a small skillet and warm over medium heat. Let the pepitas sizzle in the oil for one to two minutes. Keep a close eye on them. The raw ones may be able to handle more time, but already toasted ones will need less to get one shade darker. Remove from the heat and season with salt to taste plus red pepper flakes. And then set aside until the potatoes are ready. Drain and rinse your black beans. Have your avocado and remove the pit. 
Leave the halves in their skin and cut avocado into thin slices, not cutting through the skin. And roughly chop cilantro, thinly slice the scallions, white and green, and have your limes, cutting one further into wedges. Squeeze one lime wedge over the avocado to keep it from browning. And when the potatoes are ready, immediately spoon pepitas and oil over the potatoes and squeeze the juice of your lime halves over that. Scatter the tray with black beans. Use a spoon to remove the avocado slices in sections and fan them out over the tray. Sprinkle the pan with cilantro and scallions plus cotija if you're using it. The recipe will of course no longer be vegan if you do that. And then season well with additional salt and pepper. Scoop sections of potatoes and their toppings onto plates. Serve with extra lime wedges and eat right away. Leftovers keep nicely for a few days in the fridge. I did not rewarm them. Thank you for joining us for Food and Stuff. My name is Gretchen Miller. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.